Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon in Indianapolis for tomorrow's Big Ten championship game between my Northwestern Wildcats and some school in Ohio. Go Buckeyes! You know, it's a good thing I'm not there, because you know what I think about mascots. I know, I know. And you know, I actually want you to be in my bottom three mascots, like the mascots most hated. I actually want you to win. I'm rooting for you. It's a late game. I don't know that I'll make it all the way through, but I'm rooting for you. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. We will get to the Cowboys' big win over the Saints in a moment, but we begin today with breaking news. TMZ has released a video that shows Kareem Hunt, the star running back of the Kansas City Chiefs, hitting and kicking a woman in the hallway of a Cleveland hotel where Hunt retains a residence. This incident, which involved a group of men and women who had allegedly been partying together, happened last February and was known to the Chiefs. But this is the first time that any video of it has been released. The Chiefs sent Hunt home from practice today. Wilbon, video changes everything. What do you think happens next? Well, Tony, before we get to that, maybe what happens next is in the short term is Dan Graziano's reporting that the most likely resolution short term is Hunt would be placed on that commissioner's exempt list, the same list that contains another name in the news this week, Ruben Foster, yes, yes. who the Redskins you know, just recently claimed. And so, Tony, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have the league and the action it feels it has to take in this new time we live. And there's going to be the, the, the court of public opinion in which people are going to weigh in from whether it's sports talk shows, radio and television to just anybody who has an opinion. And you know what, Tony? I'm reluctant to weigh in um, yet. I, I will feel stronger about weighing in at some point when I know more of the details. Mm-hmm. What preceded this? What was alcohol involved and to what degree? Yeah. What's the backdrop? What's the context? Until then... I don't feel the need to rush to judgment. Yeah, it seems clearly to me to be in the assault category to me. I, like you, don't know any of the background in this. But I'm curious about the fact that it happened in February and the, and the video comes out now. And I felt the same way when Ray Rice was involved in this incident. Where I thought, here's the powerful NFL. How can you not get this video? Right, How does it last right. so long? This puts a lot of pressure on the NFL to act as quickly as possible. I can't personally imagine that that Hunt will play in at least the next game. I don't think that's going to happen. I think there has to be a very quick investigation and they have to make a determination because people are not going to stand for this. When they see video, everything changes. It's the double down sort of situation. Foster's name also. Yes. I mean, that was at the beginning of the week. Yes. And now we get this at the end of the week. And it's that narrative the NFL knows it has to avoid or deal with quickly. Um, I, I just, but I, again, I don't feel comfortable jumping to any sort of decision about what ought to happen just yet. I don't know, no, nor do I, but I do believe that you have to hold them out of the next game. There's too much swirl about this. You have to find out exactly what happened. We move now to last night's stunner on the field. The Cowboys' 13-10 to 10 victory over the Saints in the highest-rated Thursday night game ever. Wilbon, this should have made you very happy because it was a Dallas defense that wrote the story, stifling what was then the number number one offense in the NFL. So how does this change the narratives of the Cowboys, the Saints, and the league? It didn't change anything about the Saints. But to me, Tony, no, I wasn't just happy. 
I was thrilled. I was ecstatic. I was over the moon. We just had Steve Young on this show yesterday, who I have always thought for 30 years now is about the smartest person to ever come through the NFL. And Steve said, no, you can't stop these teams. Can't stop New Orleans. Can't stop the Rams. Can't stop the Chiefs. And the Dallas Cowboys, bam, stopped them. Right. Cold. Right. This game is preferable. It was a referendum to me. I don't want 54-51. That's not my cup of tea. And there's a handful of people out there like me who say, that's not football. Last night was football. I'm overjoyed yeah. at the way that game turned out. I love 54-51, and I also love 13-10 when it's a 13-10 game like that. I agree with you. It has no particular impact on the Saints because everyone is entitled to a mulligan after a bad game. The Saints are going to go back. They're going to look at film. They're going to decipher what happened, and they're going to build a firewall so it doesn't happen again. I don't think it's going to happen again because it never happened before to Drew Brees. Oh, I do. That he, no, I, I don't, think it's going to happen again. Because he was never this ineffective before. I don't think it has much to do with the league because I think that ultimately because of the rules, offensive teams have the edge over defensive teams. But I think it means a lot to the Cowboys, Mike, because this is four in a row. This is seven out of ten. Since Amari Cooper got there, whether he had much to do with last night or not, he does on your defensive prep. And I just think this establishes the Cowboys as what was once an awful team is now a good team. And I think it makes Jerry Jones' smile look legitimate at this point. I think it's big for them. I I care less about the Cowboys in this than you do. What I care about is the defense. It's not, it's not once, Tony. If it happens once, it can happen again, as you always it like can. to say, it about can. people leaving and free agents That's and right. all that. It can. If it happens once, the Ravens, the Bears, and the Cowboys are teams that all are in the top five for least points allowed and least yards allowed. These are defenses that know how to go out there and smack somebody in the mouth. They do. The next game we get to see to have a referendum on is the Rams in Chicago and the Bears. in the cold, in the cold. a That's week right. from Sunday. Guess we'll see if it's a trend. We're going to find out how much defense can One be played not a in trend. this league. One's not a trend. And by the way, the Cowboys got lucky in this regard. There appeared to be a targeting hit on Kamara, and Cole Beasley's knee was down. So, I mean, those things have to be reconsidered when you look at the game. Maybe. Defense, Tony. Defense, defense, defense. Makes me happy. Speaking of which, Richard Sherman, his return to Seattle would be a much bigger deal if the 49ers franchise quarterback was healthy. He's not. Instead, we'll have to settle for press conference niceties for the most part. Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll played nice, nice, kiss, kiss, and provided no bulletin board material. But Sherman said, quote, I don't really have a relationship with Russell. We were teammates. We played through a very special time for the franchise, close quote. Tony, not a lot of time has passed since Richard Sherman played for the Seahawks. So what do you think the reaction to him in Seattle will and should be? I think they are both the same. I think he will and should be cheered to the heavens. He was part of a Super Bowl winning team. He was the main face, certainly the main mouth on a Super Bowl winning team. And it wasn't the defense that cost him the second Super Bowl against the Patriots. It was the offensive coordinator. I think everyone in Seattle, Mike, has known for quite some time that Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson were not pals. I don't think it's new there. I mean, I think it's been public there for a long time. I don't think that will or should have any effect on the appreciation for what he was in Seattle. How about you? I agree, Tony. I would think at least early in that game when he is introduced or the first sight of him, I would think there ought to be warm and, and, and yeah. I don't know, 
heartfelt applause for Richard Sherman. Sure. Deserves it. Who led the most important unit on that Super Bowl team in the back-to-back Super Bowl effort. The the, the offense was second. It was fine, and Russell Wilson is turning to be a a terrific player. But Richard Sherman ought to be appreciated. But, and Tony, it isn't a newsflash, and it's not the first time. I mean, we've seen situations, you and I have covered teams where guys not only on separate units weren't close, same but unit. guys on the same, same unit, unit were not close and they won. Right. Uh, Donovan McNabb and, and T.O. I mean, they were not pals at all, and obviously people, people knew that. In, in this particular case, Russell Wilson may have the last laugh because he has led the bounce back when everybody thought that the Still absence there. of defense would kill him. What I would love to see, Mike, I don't know if I will, I would love to see Russell Wilson deliberately throw at whoever Richard Sherman is guarding just to see what happens, just to see who wins. The Warriors deliberately held Steph Curry out of last night's game at league-leading 19-4 and Toronto. The Raptors had to go to overtime, and they had to overcome 51 points from Kevin Durant, but they did, and they won. Wilbon, who should feel better about this result, the Raptors or the Warriors? Oh, Toronto. Tor- Toronto's got something different, Tony. And, you know, I hate that Dwayne Casey had to get fired and, and seeing DeMar DeRozan, that hurt him. That hurt him to his core to be traded away. But they got Kawhi Leonard, who's going to be, who's one of the three best players in the Eastern Conference, probably him and Antetokounmpo. And he makes a difference there. Kyle Lowry is in a different role now. Yeah. And he's better in it. Def- 12 assists last night. I think one turnover. Tony, I know you didn't watch it. Didn't you know, you can have more than one TV, but we'll get into that another time. I'm, it I'm was poor. a I don't fabulous game, and I watched it simultaneously with the Thursday night game. A fabulous NBA game that felt like the first of May, yeah. and it was more important to Toronto than the Warriors. So if the question is who gets the biggest bump out of this, which is the, es- the essence of the question, I think it's almost equal. Toronto won. That's very important. You pay off on winning, and you can go home at night and you say, I don't care who was out of that game. The people who played, we won. But Golden State can say, we know that, and, and Draymond Green didn't play either. So no. we're that close. They're missing if we go overtime, if our, if our big scorer goes for that many points and then Curry comes back and Green comes back, we have a certain amount of confidence that we can take them when we have Absolutely. to. So I think it's very good for both teams. And I do, I, I agree with you completely about the makeover in Toronto, about getting Kawhi Leonard. They had a guard-oriented team. That doesn't necessarily work in the East, as we've seen with the Wizards. It didn't work for them in the playoffs. You, you can't make a judgment on the coach yet. You have to wait for the playoffs. Because yes. that's why Casey was fired. Yes. But they do look significantly better right now. They do. Yeah, Tony, the big games and the pressure have to be navigated during the playoffs. That's right. Not, that's right. Not, not in late November, but... That was still something to watch last night, Tony. I think Toronto's going to be different. It, we have to wait until April yeah. to see if they really will. For those of us like me who only have two eyes, we usually put them on the same show. But you don't. That's great. <laughs> we haven't had much hot stove, so let's get to that. According to multiple reports, the Seattle Mariners are thinking of sending Robbie Cano and young stud closer Edwin Diaz to the Mets for a bunch of highly regarded prospects. Now, a lot of stuff can still get in the way, like Cano's no-trade clause, but Cano has been numbingly consistent other than that 80-game suspension for PEDs last summer. Still, the Mets appear okay with paying Cano the remaining 120 mil on his contract, and Diaz is why. The last two seasons, Diaz had 34 and 57 saves, and his ERA this past season was 196. Tony, you okay with this trade? If I'm a Mets fan, I'm thrilled with this trade. I got a closer 
who's only 24 years old. And last season, he had 124 strikeouts in 73 innings. He was lights out, which means if Jacob deGrom ever gets a lead, he can hold the lead this time, and he ain't going to be 10-9. and If I get Robbie Cano, I'm happy, because especially if I'm the Mets general manager who negotiated the original deal, the 10-year deal, because he was Robbie Cano's agent at More that conflicts time. of interest with this guy. I'm happy because I, he, Cano hit 300 last year after he was busted for PEDs. So he's still a very good player. If we go to the other side, I don't really understand it. Maybe you do. Well, t- prospects, Tony. I mean, listen, we find out every couple of years that there are prospects traded right. in deals. And at the time, it doesn't mean much. And then later, it means everything. I mean, we look at Torres being on the Yankees after he was included in a deal like three years ago from the Cubs. So th- th- this happens. Um, I think Cano took a calculated gamble here, Tony, and said, look, I, I can sit these 80. This can set me up for the next year or two or longer if I'm stronger, oh, if absolutely. I'm able to withstand more, but if my, I can endure more. So my, maybe my the point Mets would are really be, getting a, a, a twofer yeah, here. My point would be that Seattle won 89 games last year, that Seattle and Tampa Bay were really close. And you, trade, you trade a closer like this, I think that hurts you. Let's take a break, but coming up, does Georgia have a real shot of knocking off Alabama? We're going to ask so. David Pollock. Need him to have a real good shot. We'll also ask him whether the people in purple will prevail right here over Ohio State tomorrow. And I know you're rooting, and I know you'll be in a fancy suite with your fancy private school friends, right? You want me to be sitting out with the unwashed masses? (laughs) Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro, and then one day... When he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12th handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. A huge weekend in college football, so let's bring in someone who knows more than we do, our good friend David Pollock, who is in Atlanta, where where Alabama is going to play Georgia. That's the big game for the SEC championship. Alabama has looked dominant this year. You may have some personal prejudices having played for Georgia in your life, but how vulnerable in your mind is Alabama to Georgia? No personal prejudice. They're good. <laughs> and they're, there's not very many vulnerable spots. I mean, there, there is no vulnerability on Alabama's offense. You watch them, they're, they're a complete unit. I think defensively, um, it's not the most dominant unit we've seen over the last five years. They're still as talented as the best units in the country. It's just, it's acceptable. And I think you could run the football maybe a little bit more effectively than you have in the past. The problem is their offense scores so much, they put you in predictable situations and, and you got to play comeback. So I don't think Alabama's vulnerable, but I will say this. I don't think Georgia's scurred. And when they go up against teams, a lot of times they got them beat before the game starts. Last year, Alabama or Georgia knows they went toe to toe with Alabama on this field and came up just a little bit short. They got that revenge factor um, going for them because they know what happened here. So I don't think Georgia will be scared. I think it'll be a heck of a ball game. Well, David, I, I got personal reasons for rooting for Georgia tomorrow, which we won't go deeply into now. But if Georgia wins this game, beats Alabama, how do you then see the playoff structure setting up? Oh, man, there's going to be so many ticked off people across the country, because if you think about it that way, Notre Dame, technically an independent, 
you would have two teams from the SEC in, and then you're going to have, what, Clemson from the ACC? So you're leaving out how many Power Five conferences? I mean, it would be absolutely crazy. It would be crazy. People would be upset. But I just think the level of dominance. Alabama hasn't played anybody within 20 points. You think about this season, they're the first team since the 1800s to beat every opponent by 20 points. It's been dominant. They're a complete football team. If they lose to the number four team in the country currently right now this week, and it's a close game because I don't see it being a blowout regardless, I think the committee still puts them in. I think they still should be in because they're still one of the best four teams in the country. That's our charge. It's not this conference, that conference. It's the four best teams. So under that scenario, there'd be a lot of ticked off people, but Alabama fans, I think, would be happy. Let me get to the game that Wilbon cares the most about, Northwestern and Ohio (laughs) State for the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State probably coming out of that great win against Michigan is favored by two touchdowns. Is that all? That's all. Just two. It says on my sheet... David, do you see the disparity? Is that a fair and reasonable disparity between the two teams? Yes, it is. Now, that that doesn't mean that Northwestern can't hang with Ohio State. Ohio State's a team last week that had the best win of the season, in my opinion, for this for the whole year. I mean, this it was unbelievable what they did to Michigan, but they're also a team that's been very up and very down. So if Ohio State has a little bit of a letdown, Northwestern's been playing great. After Larkin left, the ability to run the football left the team. But the last several weeks now, you've seen they're starting to run the football. They're starting to have more balance. Clay Thorson starting to be more healthy. I think they're smart enough to implement some of those RPOs and some of those things that will really hurt Ohio State. Play a little bit of keep away. Be your physical Northwestern self. Make Ohio State earn it. I think the game will be relatively close. I think Ohio State's talent is going to win out, but I think that uh, Northwestern can do a good job of keeping it close. Let's stay with the Ohio State scenarios for a second, David. If Georgia loses, both Oklahoma and Ohio State win, and even win convincingly, Who do you have in that number four slot? You know, it's interesting because y'all talk about golf all the time. And this is this is going to be interesting this weekend because Saturday night, Ohio State's the last to hit the links. They're going to know exactly what they need in the clubhouse. Right. I mean, they're going to watch Georgia, Alabama. They're going to watch Texas, Oklahoma, and they're going to see exactly what happened. They need to know. They need to know how good they need to look because they need to put style points up. If those win under that scenario you're talking about, if Oklahoma beats Texas, avenges their only loss of the season. Ohio State still has a 29-point loss to Purdue that's not going anywhere off their record. Even if Ohio State and Oklahoma both win, I think it's Oklahoma. And I think Oklahoma, we know their defense can't stop a nosebleed. Let's not get it twisted. But this is the best offense in the history of college football. And they're going to score. They're going to show up. I think the committee will compare those two teams. They'll look at the bad loss by Ohio State. They'll look at the close loss that was avenged by Oklahoma. They'll look at Oklahoma's offense scoring and continuing to score against everybody they play week in and week out. And I think they know what they'll get from Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma would be the four slot. And Ohio State will be on the outside looking in, looking in again for the second straight season. Thank you so much, David, as Thank always. You, David. Thank Appreciate you, David. Appreciate it. Hey, happy anniversary, guys. What is it, 18 years? Don't, don't talk. It's too much. Too many years. Too many, right, Wilbon? <laughs> you can see David on College Game Day tomorrow, beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Let's take one last break, but still to come, Wilbon picks this weekend's big heavyweight fight. Yes, I will, Tony. And some bad news for Dwight Howard. Who could have seen that coming, Mike? You know, Who could have seen what's it been now, about five consecutive years or more? Yeah. That's yeah. all. Happy time, people. Happy 28th birthday, Magnus Carlson. 
So if you guessed either hockey player or tennis player or power lifter, you're wrong. Magnus Carlsen is the world chess champion, having won the championship earlier this week in London. Carlsen is Norwegian. The last American to hold this title was Bobby Fischer, who won it in Reykjavik in 1972. And since then, the World Chess Championship has been dominated by Russians. Wilbon, I've never played chess, but I love the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer. Tony, I've never played chess. I'm threatening to make my son learn how to play. Does Michael know how to play chess? I don't have any idea. He's a golfer. Happy anniversary, Auburn. On this day five years ago, Chris Davis returned Alabama's 57-yard field goal attempt 108 yards at the final whistle to lift the number four Tigers over the number one Alabama in the Iron Bowl. This is the famous kick six game. And if it is not the greatest ending of a college football game ever, it's certainly in the top five, along with the Flutie pass and the Stanford band. Wilbon, you got another nominee? I think it's the greatest. How about the Bush push? And I'm also going to go Vince Young over USC, both of which I saw live. Have you trails Dwight Howard? Howard, who was signed by the Wizards this year in the hopes of making them Eastern Conference champion contenders, will undergo surgery to his lower back to clear the persistent pain in his can. Howard has played a total of 230 minutes this year. It's possible he's done for the season. Meanwhile, Marcin Gortat, who the Wizards dump, is starting for the Clippers, who are leading the West. Shout out to Doc Rivers and Marcin Gortat and the Clippers for doing what they're doing. Big Amazing. finish really quick. Tiger Woods shot 369 to move up to 15th place at the World Hero World Challenge. Should he be happy about that? Should be happy about playing golf in the Bahamas with his boys. How great is that? Shaq says he's given up Superman, the nickname, to the Greek freak. Should Antetokounmpo want that? No, he's got a nickname. Joe Kim Noah agreed to a one-year deal with the Grizzlies. Significant addition. Being out there is significant for Joe Kim. Good for him. Back to a title game tonight. Utah, Washington, who you got? Washington, last one. Wilder and Fury fight tomorrow night. Who you got? Wilder in the fifth round, big boy. That's a very good prediction. We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. You can get the podcast on the app or Apple Podcasts. Saves. We love you.